SFM South Africa's news and information leader. Lovely to be with you this uh, fine Monday evening. Yes, indeed, a fine Monday evening. If you're a Pirates fan, not a fine Monday evening if you're a Chiefs fan. My word, there are so many grumpy people running around Johannesburg. There's a whole bunch of happy people running around Johannesburg, and there are a whole bunch of people who anything but Chiefs fans, including Sundowns fans, Celtic fans, Maritzburg United fans, uh, Chipper fans, Barocca fans, Bulugwani City fans, Blitz fans, you know what I'm saying. Some people seem to be happy that Kaiser Chiefs lost this weekend. Ah, but the Chiefs fans, oi, more calls for uh, Steve Kumpela, poor old Steve Kumpela, under a little bit of pressure indeed, getting very philosophical at the press conference after the uh, loss over the weekend. We're going to be talking to man of the match uh, from uh, Saturday's encounter, Musa Nyatama, Bolanda Pirates, on the uh, show today. We're also going to be wrapping the uh, cricket, and we'll talk some rugby as well. Why not? Uh, Super Rugby, three rounds in. Although really uh, only two rounds for the New Zealand and Australian sides. But interesting to see uh, how things are plodding along in terms of the uh, Super Rugby competition earlier. But let's, uh, before we get into the guests, let's uh, talk uh, specifically a couple of sports news stories. I'll start off with that uh, cricket story. Australia then needing just 22 runs on the final day to clinch a 118 run win over the South Africans on the first test in Durban. Proteas were seeking an improbable 417 for victory. They were dismissed for 298. Josh Hazelwood uh, trapping Quinton de Kock, LBW, on 83 in the fourth over this morning. Rugby News, DHL Stormers coach uh, Robbie Fleck has admitted the injury looks uh, set to force uh, J.D. Schickling out of the majority of the Super Rugby season uh, and that it's an enormous blow to his side. Schickling is set to fly home from New Zealand after suffering what Fleck described as a torn bicep, an injury that happened in the very last scrum of the game. Meanwhile, today's uh, sixth round Varsity Cup matches. Um, well, I can tell you that University of Pretoria have been roundly thrashed at home. End W. Uh, uh, Pucker uh, found themselves 417 up. Uh, can you believe it? Matches that have just kicked off. I can tell you that Tux uh, just scored before the full-time whistle. So final score there, NWU 40, Tux 26. And that's at Tux. So uh, big win for uh, Pucker. Uh, CUT up against Vitz and UJ against Madibas have just kicked off. And then Martys and Ikes meet at uh, 7 o'clock. Football News. South Africa's senior national women's team played through a goalless draw with Korea DPR in their final Cyprus Cup group match today. Banyana Banyana, who drew 0-0 with Slovakia, beat Hungary 1-0 in their previous Group C matches. Finished the group stages without conceding a goal. They finished second in the group on five points, two points behind the leaders, uh, Korea DPR. They will next feature in placement matches. Meanwhile, Chippy United chairman uh, Sevier Mbinges, he's confident Serbian coach Vladislav Heric will impress on his return to the hot seat. Chipper announced Heric's Tabohomloy's replacement in the wake of the 2-0 loss to Cape Town City on Saturday. Heric, who was previously part of Royal Eagles' technical team, was in charge of United when they were promoted to the top flight in the 2013-2014 season. Further afield, a judicial inquiry has been launched following the death of 31-year-old Italian footballer David Storri, whose autopsy is expected to be, uh, whose autopsy is confirmed to be carried out tomorrow. But the Udine public prosecutor, Antonio De Nicolo, added there was no indication of foul play or suspicions against any individual. 31-year-old made 289 Serie A appearances, played 14 times for Italy. UEFA, the European soccer body, said there will be a minute's silence before uh, all this week's Champions League and Europa League fixtures. And uh, the Fiorentina, as a club, have announced that a story's funeral will take place in Florence on Thursday. Cycling news, uh, Nolan Hoffman took the opening stage of the best-made tour of Good Hope near Paul in the 
Western Cape this afternoon. The 33-year-old BCX Pro outsprinted Rowan Deploy of Alpha Body Works Giant and Italy's Luca Muzzato of Dimension Data Continental over the final 200 metres to take the 132-kilometre stage in 3 hours, 17 minutes and 15 seconds. And finally, in athletics news for you, IAAF Chief Executive Olivier Gere, uh, Gere has uh, resigned 18 months into his role, citing differences with the global governing body of athletics commercial strategy. The Frenchman's departure came as a surprise, particularly after he was appointed in the International Association of Athletics Federations in 2016 amid much anticipation after a six-month search following uh, interviews with over 200 candidates. The IAAF said Gere would continue in his role for the next three months, after which a new CEO would be recruited. That's your sports news. SAFM Sports Wrap. Uh, yeah, it's a shocking story, that uh, Fiorentino's uh, Tina story. Uh, but I saw uh, a lot of the fans were gathering at that uh, Artemio Franchi Stadium, which uh, which is used by Fiorentino earlier today, and uh, messages and scarves up. Uh, Ciao, Capitano, messages all over the place. Uh, just on the point before we talk cricket, uh, if you hadn't heard, over the weekend, Roger Bannister passed away. Sir Roger Bannister, the first man to run a mile in under four minutes, died at the age of 88 over the weekend. So uh, he too, sure, having uh, passed away. So a couple of shocking uh, deaths over this uh, weekend. I think he also was a Commonwealth gold medalist, if I'm not mistaken. I think back in the 50s, Roger Bannister. My memory escapes me, but I'm sure he actually won. They still ran it as a mile in those days. But what I wanted to talk about was the fact that in the World Indoor Championship, Simon, uh, Samuel Teferro, who won, the 18-year-old who won, who was 25, 30-odd seconds off Haile Gebrselassie's championship record, won in a time of 3 minutes, 58 and 19. Roger Bannister ran a mile, which is 100 metres further, in 54, 1954, he ran it in virtually the same time, 3 minutes 59.4 seconds. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, the, the winning mile time at the latest World Indoor Championships was about a 4.16, 4.17 mile. Well, great to see. Anyway, let's talk cricket now. Aslam Kota, delighted to have you with us, uh, Aslam, but uh, not delighted about today's results. Uh, I suppose it was a long time coming uh, last night, but 22 balls, <laughs> it was a bit of a stay, but in the end, Australia with a deserved win. Yeah, I think the only talking part, point about this morning, Dwayne, by the way, good evening to you and your listeners, uh, was that uh, it was the first time in, uh, sorry, the tenth time in the history of uh, Test cricket that uh, teams had to assemble at the ground for to pick up one more wicket for a victory. So uh, that was perhaps the talking point. It lasted 22 balls, and uh, they did eventually complete what was, uh, at the end, a comprehensive win by 118 runs. Um, I think what happened over the last four days is, is uh, what, how we can break that down, Dwayne, is uh, South Africa's betting uh, at the top order, woeful. South Africa's betting in the lower order in the first innings, uh, losing wickets, uh, collapsing from 108 for five to uh, um, 162 all out. Australia, on the other hand, were 251 for seven. They added another 100 runs for the four, four wickets. So uh, what did help, of course, there was Mitchell Marsh's presence because he was uh, he was uh, last out. But uh, the bottom line is that uh, South Africa's batting needs to really come together. And what we did see eventually in that uh, third innings of the match, when eventually we saw a superb hundred from uh, Aidan Markham, was that if any of the top order actually gets some runs, then South Africa is very much in this contest because the Australians very much like the South Africans in the top order do have a few guys that have come from uh, the Ashes series, uh, not with that much of confidence, and uh, Bancroft, Quadra, uh, among those, you know, in the top order. So if you break it down, batting needs to improve dramatically. The bowling would probably get 7 out of 10, because when they were really on top in their first innings, they, it didn't come together for them. 
And in the final analysis, when you look at the, the, the margin, then you have to look at how the team reacted on the first day because then it's all about recovery and pressure, and that's always more difficult. Yeah, what you say about the uh, partnerships coming together, I think, is a significant one because if you look at the uh, partnerships for the first six across uh, the, the two innings for both these sides, South Africa actually made more runs than Australia. Uh, South Africa made 433 to Australia's 412. But if you look at only the last four partnerships, of course, South Africa, 27 runs across both innings, Aslam Kota, and Australia, 166 from their tail enders. So, so I mean, no, no wagging tail like we did at times against, uh, against India. And I think that that is uh, that for me was the key area that South Africa gave the test away, as it were. That's right. I mean, both of us are concurring with the same thing, and and uh, the way you've put it is perhaps even more disappointing. <laughs> the way you've <laughs> described that whole thing, uh, 27 to 100 and uh, 120. Uh, of course, coming together, then Tiernan de Bruyne, Quentin de Kock playing himself back into fine form, but Markham, in the way he had uh, played. You're thinking that he's probably playing his 50th test match because he was housing together. Uh, Shades of Graham Smith, uh, holding the innings together and playing with that type of gritty determination. Uh, you know, give me what you want. I'll take what I want and I'll give you back. And to have hit 19-4 in the score of 143, uh, I think the bulk of them, 11 of them through the offside region, just showed that he was in complete control. And, uh, if Alger gets more than nine, Amla gets more than eight, a rather disappointing decision from the umpire, I must say. A.B. De Villiers, if he's, if he's not uh, run out for one, for uh, a, a woeful piece of misjudgment on his part. And then Fasky Plessis, who has certainly been uh, performing in fits and starts at test level out for four. If any one of those two guys added to Markram, and then, of course, at lower order in the brain and the cockett runs, uh, they're very much in the game. If you don't concede 351 and if the lead is even 80 or 90 or even 100, you're still in the match in the test match. And I must say that after all of the conjecture about the pitch and everything else, we did see reversing swing no doubt. But it played well throughout the four days. And I reckon if this uh, had gone a little further today, uh, especially against the Seamers, it would have still been a reasonable pitch to bet on Dwayne. Yeah, indeed. And I think, I think it says a lot as well that South Africa was able to, after being what bundled out for 156 in the first innings, make uh, virtually 300 in, uh, in the second. So, so I think it had more to do with uh, some indecision. Yeah, and credit to the Australian bowlers. I thought they bowled really well in the South African first innings overall. But, uh, but, but the point is, we've lost the first test in a four-man series, and that doesn't inspire confidence, Aslam. And uh, if you go back into the history books, you will have done this uh, a lot more thoroughly than I have. But I, but I know that history says we've, we've got no chance of actually winning the series from here. How do you feel about this? And indeed, what, what's, what have you heard about potential changes or, or where do you feel we need to make uh, amendments for the PE test? Uh, I've been suggesting on air, uh, both on radio and television, that uh, clearly teams don't like to show uh, that they're panicking. So I expect that there won't be too many changes. Of course, this is, my, uh, this is how I'm viewing it. Yeah. But the one suggestion I was making is that Tiernan's the train has got a bucket full of runs, not just this season, two scores of 190. But even last season, he was in that fantastic uh, 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 vein of form in the four-day setup. And there, too, he was captaining the team. So having done all of that in the top order, I reckon that if he slots in at one down and then drop Amla de Villiers, uh, Amla de Villiers uh, Duplessis and the cock one lower down, it suddenly looks a very long and more soli- solid betting lineup, more so because then that lower order will have the experience of, uh, of de Kock and Philander and perhaps even tough to proceed if you consider him uh, in, the, uh, in at six instead of at five. And, um, that, you know, it will just give it more solidity. As I said, the bowler got seven out of ten. 
Uh, hopefully they'll have just good enough rest over the next three days to come back firing. And as far as the, the, the you know, that they already lost is concerned, I think it's, uh, it's, it, it's rather harsh on the team because they do have a fantastic fighting spirit. Uh, they know in, in, in recent history with the Australians, every time they've come to South Africa, they've had the better of us. Even after just having lost, uh, three or four weeks or a month prior to that on their home soil, they come here and they beat the South Africans under Ponting, under Clark, it's happened on uh, three occasions already. So, um, and then there's been a few draws, but uh, in the main, these guys have been dominant. This is the one time South Africa can put that right. And uh, whilst it's a very good Australian team, they have great balance, they have a bowler that is is, is quite menacing with uh, the new ball and the old ball in start, uh, with a, a wonderful supporting act around him, uh, it's always going to be a challenge. But the South Africans, you feel, uh, need to put their best foot forward I think the betting coach needs to do a hell of a lot more to try and get them organized. I must say that they improved. In fact, let's put it this way, Dwayne. When you have so little time between a test match, then you wonder how do they regroup? How do they gather themselves into uh, getting uh, things right? Well, I must say that here literally uh, uh, in 24 to 48 hours, they were able to almost nullify, and I've got the figures here, Nathan Ryan going 32 overs, none for 86. Mm. And Stark at one stage, listen to this, 14 overs, 1 for 71. He was going at 5.35. It was the older ball that uh, did, did the trick for, for him. But the bottom line was, and remember the three weeks that fell were in the lower order towards the closing stages of the day. Yeah. So that does make it impressive figures. But if you really work out how Markham and uh, uh, the brain worked for those uh, 155 deliveries for the partnership of 18, uh, 87, they struck a number of boundaries. They betted on the off-stump guard. And they were better equipped to play uh, to play him. So I reckon there's more time in which to study all of that and see where it works for those two or three batsmen with the left-handed uh, the cock as well uh, thrown in there. And uh, it may give them a few more answers. So I'm just hopeful that uh, when they get to PE, uh, they get things together and that they really grit their teeth and, and come out strong against the Australians. They would have, if it was in Australia, they'd be doing the same thing. So South Africa really need to come hard at the opposition but uh, play with controlled aggression throughout and, uh, you know, concentrate on their strengths, which we always talk about, because there are strengths in the South African team. And um, the one other point to make is they've batted so badly for such a long time that sooner or later they're going to click. And let's just hope it's going to be come Friday again. Uh, please, please, please. You spoke about the fighting spirit. We're not going to be talking about Quinton de Kock and David Warner. I know, that, <laughs> I know that wasn't what you were meaning when you were talking about fighting spirit, but yeah, I, I just no. want to see the good old days, like when, you know, you, you would go at each other on the pitch and then you would shake hands at the end of it and it was, that was it. It was done and dusted. That's, uh, that's how it was for so many years. That's it. Aslam Kota, time against us. Thanks for your time and we'll uh, chat to you again later in the week. Thanks, Ray. Sometimes issues are raised and contested through strikes, riots, protests, and labor unrest, which could leave your car, property, or business building exposed to damage. That's why you need special risk cover with Sashria. Sashria is the only insurance company that offers special risk insurance to protect the assets of all South Africans against extraordinary risks. Be a step ahead of the unexpected. Ask your broker about Sashria today or visit sashria.co.za for more info. Sashria is an authorized FSP. Sasria, covering the extraordinary. Cutting Edge is moving to a new time slot. Still your favorite current affairs show, just a different time. We are still fully dedicated to empowering the voiceless and giving them a platform to express their concerns. Cutting Edge, now on Tuesdays at 9.30 p.m. on SABC1 and Sundays at 5.30 p.m. on SABC News Channel 404.
SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, SAFM South Africa's news and information leader. Let's talk about football now because one of the uh, most thrilling matches of the year and certainly eagerly anticipated annually, twice a year at least in the league. Orlando Pirates and Kaiser Chiefs meeting in the Soweto Derby, but this year it turned out to be Orlando Pirates claiming a very impressive 3-1 win in the Soweto Derby at F&B Stadium on Saturday. I'm delighted to say we've got the man of the match from Saturday on the line, Musa Nyatama of Orlando Pirates. Musa, thanks for joining us. Uh, Thanks for joining us indeed, because you are man of the match, an important man. You claimed the bragging rights uh, with your Buccaneers teammates. How does it feel? Uh, uh, thanks, Dwayne, uh, uh, and uh, afternoon to the listeners. Uh, yeah, it's really good to be able to mention that to, to, to be a winner, uh, especially on, on that occasion. You know, winning the derby, it, it, it was a big occasion for us. And uh, yeah, it was it, it felt good. Well, uh, Mitchell tells us you had the power of Wakanda on your side in the derby because you went to go and watch Black Panther as a team on Tuesday. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct, yes. Actually, I, I think about it now. I mean, uh, I know Pizza Busimani used to take his, uh, his Sundance teams when he first arrived to go and watch various inspirational movies. He was telling me one day they watched to Remember the Titans and they came out and they won and they went on to win the league that year, of course. So, so nothing wrong with it. But tactically, though, just give us some hindsight into this because... Bringing Mamela on proved to be a bit of a, a masterstroke, but what was Coach Sredojevic's plans leaving a player like Mamela, who's been one of the most attacking, informed players on the bench at the start? Yeah, no, uh, our, our aim, uh, to be honest with you, it was to to to, to put Mamela uh, as a sub to, to loan his his stand, and uh, going forward, we know that he's a good player, probably with the ball of the ball. And uh, we knew that uh, in the second half they were going to be tired, and uh, we we had to throw in Manela to 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 finish off the game, of which that's what he did uh, on Saturday. Yeah, he started finishing off the game 17 seconds into the second half. I mean, it was it was a, it was a brilliant first touch. Being on the pitch at the time, and of course being involved in that virtually from kickoff, what was it like for you as players? And did you know then, or did you get a sense then that this game is ours? Yeah, after scoring the second goal, we knew uh, uh, already that uh, this game it was uh, ours. But uh, we did not want to take things for granted. We also wanted to score the, uh, the third goal and the fourth goal. Unfortunately, the fourth goal could not come. But uh, yeah, I'm happy with the two goals that we scored. Yeah, no, I mean, d- d- don't take it for granted. You, you, you know, the, the, it's the first time in 23 months that Itumilen Kuna has conceded three goals in a game. So. It's a significant achievement to score three against uh, a side that you know this season had the best defensive record in the league until they, they met you. I mean, the last time, incidentally, was also when Rulani Mukwena was on the bench at Sundowns. It was against Mamelodi Sundowns 23 months ago. So, I mean, when you take a performance like that, though, and see that you've beaten one of the best goalkeepers, certainly on the continent, with three goals like that, what sort of confidence boost, what sort of morale uh, invigoration does that give you? Yeah, it gives us uh, confidence uh, to go into our next game. And, uh, yeah, you know, Kuna is one of the best keepers in, in, in South Africa, actually in, in, in the whole uh, continent. But, uh, yeah, scoring three goals on that occasion because of uh, motivation by, or, on itself. What was uh, Happy Jelly like in the change room? Because uh, he played in his 22nd derby over the weekend, but you know that until uh, Saturday he had never actually won a league derby game. H- how was he after the match? Yeah, he was uh, he was very happy uh, to be honest with you, Blaine. Because uh, yeah, he, he even said because I shared a room with him in, in Kent. He even told me that uh, he never won a, a derby in a, in, a, in a league game. But uh, yeah, it was very good to to, to win. 
Let's talk about uh, where, where this actually puts you now, because, um, I mean, a win over Chiefs is something to celebrate, certainly. But the results, what does that do for you in, in terms of your league title ambitions? Uh, to be honest with you, uh, we're not looking for, uh, uh, to say we're not... Sanders uh, uh, are still on top. We, we just want to uh, uh, improve on, on last season's uh, performance. And you know that, uh, that uh, Pirates seem to be... The, the top eight last season, yeah, that's that's our aim for for now. Today, let's improve. Let's see where we can finish, and uh, yeah, and we'll take it from there with the next season. Yeah, indeed. I suppose after last season, you, you, this is a this is a season that you need something that turns it around. Uh, aside from the fact that you actually won six of your last eight matches, it's the first time the Pirates has won the Q Innovation. That's that's another boost for you guys, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a first effort for us to 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 win the Q Innovation and. Uh, also, that it gives us uh, uh, confidence and, and, and uh, it's a moral boost for us to say we can also we can still win the, uh, the seven games that are remaining. Yeah, well, I want to ask you about the seven games that remain because I'm sure you're not focusing on it, this specifically, but but with the possibility of that IX loss being overturned for for fielding an ineligible player, you could potentially be within one point of Sundowns without necessarily kicking a ball again, but. How are you breaking down those last seven matches, knowing that you might be four points behind or that you might be one? Uh, oh, what you're talking about, I'm hearing about it, uh, uh, about Alex, but I'm not sure about it, how, how, how it works. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, the only focus for us, the seven games that are remaining to say, let's, let's see if we can win all of them and uh, yeah, take it from there. Well, yeah, I mean, as I say, you won six out of the last eight, which, which gives you an indication that in that sort of form you could easily win at least five of your last six if you, uh, if you put your minds to it. But your next, um, your next uh, task, as it were, is the Nedbank Cup away to Ca- uh, Cape Town City next Wednesday. What are you expecting from Benny McCarthy's side? Yeah, it's not, uh, not going to be easy. The team, um, uh, uh, Cape Town City has been doing well also. Uh, and there's the good, uh, good quality of, of, of players. Uh, but yeah, we try to make it a point that uh, we, we beat them in order to, to go to, to, the, uh, to the next round. Musa, you're in that precarious position now where you could potentially still win a league and cup double or you could finish the season without anything. Uh, overall, though, where you see yourselves having finished outside the top eight for the first time last season... Overall, an improvement, but but what's the what's the challenge? Is it at least to win one trophy, perhaps this season, or is or you're not putting any specific uh, aims down for yourselves? To be honest with you, uh, uh, Glenn, uh, we would love to, to, to win uh, the Nutbag Cup of which we are going for for now. But uh, yeah, we we don't want to also put ourselves in, in, in pressure to to. To say that we, we tend to tell ourselves to say, no, let's just aim uh, too high. Let's take one game at a time and see uh, how far we go. Well, uh, Musa Nyatama, well done on a, uh, another sensational performance in the middle of the park for Orlando Pirates this past weekend. And I certainly wish you everything the best against Cape Town City and indeed in your last seven league games. Thanks for joining us and well played again. The greatest story will unfold in Russia as the world gathers for one of the biggest global sporting events, the FIFA World Cup. It is the battle between 32 nations from the 14th of June to the 15th of July 2018.
Tune and watch SABC TV channels and SABC radio stations. SABC is the official broadcaster of the FIFA World Cup 2018 Russia. The greatest story unfolding. SAFM Sports Wrap. SFM South Africa's news and information here. Let's talk rugby now because uh, we haven't really been focusing quite as much on Mondays as, uh, as we perhaps should in Super Rugby. And indeed, we need to talk a little bit of rugby uh, after the weekend's action. It's round three already. That's, uh, that's right. Most for most South African sides, that is. Uh, New Zealand, Australian sides, only two rounds effectively into this uh, competition. That's it. Let's talk rugby with uh, Kanusa Tsuako of Sunday Times and SABC. Kanusa, thanks for joining us. Good evening. Good evening and thank you very much, Dwayne. Yeah, now let's talk rugby. Let's start on the disappointing notes, and that was the Stormers' first half <laughs> against uh, the Crusaders in Christchurch. Uh, was it 26 nil in a, in a couple of minutes? But look, real yeah. real credit to the way they came back there. What really defeats me about the Stormers' team is that they've got such an efficient pack of forwards, but for some reason they can't just get their backs moving. And clearly, that's where the problem is. They've got a good nine ten axis, but it's like that's where the rugby stops. It's like they're moving towards the Bulls of Heine Kamea where, where they felt that 10-man rugby was um, a good clean game was enough to actually win them super rugby. Unfortunately, they don't have they don't have a clean game at the moment. The forwards are very good. I think um, I think a judge uh, I think we'll really judge how, how good the forwards are when they actually face the Lions. But again, they played against a very competent and very good Crusaders pack, and they did very well from a forward perspective. However, though, their backs disappointed, and I think. That's one, and I think it, it could be a bit of an indictment on Robbie Fleck, who is, who was a former centre, and I think as a coach, he's the onus is on making sure that the backs are functioning. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, I think the defensive frailties were uh, were on display as well. I think overall in that uh, in that game, but particularly bad and awful in that uh, that opening uh, that that opening twenty odd minutes of the game. Uh, the Sharks, though, uh, you know, you look at the Sharks and you go, you've played two matches at home and you've lost one and you've drawn one against the side that you really should have beaten. I, I thought they missed a trick by by not beating the Waratahs and ending up with a draw. And that Sharks scrum after the question marks for the first weekend of rugby. How did you see it fare it over uh, over the weekend against the Waratahs? Um, two things. Um, it, 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 with the way Australian teams scrum, they're not very good scrummages, so you can't exactly judge South African team in terms of improvement against uh, an Australian team. Against Australian teams, you, they can only be judged against the Crusaders, um, the, the, the Hurricanes to an extent, and the rest of the South African sides. I think we'll see when they scrum against the Bulls and to an extent the Stormers. Maybe then we can actually talk about whether they've actually made a fair bit of improvement. But Daryl Gibson, I was actually at that game on Saturday. I took a break from the cricket to go to the rugby. Daryl Gibson said something very interesting that they had a very bad day at the office, yet they still were able to actually secure two points. The past two games that they played, the Stormers and the Sharks, they had no business getting six points from those matches. Yet, they've started the season by, by playing poorly. They've got six points. They're now off to Argentina, where... Depending on which judge or other team they face, they may actually get 13 to 12 to 13. I mean, it's 10 to, to 11 points. So it's a bad indictment on the Sharks and the Stormers that they're playing against a substandard Waratah team and they still couldn't beat them. Yeah, let's talk about a uh, side that, uh, that did win, though. A uh, really qu- quality looking Lions side. Uh, supposed to brain, though, changing things around. Uh, that that Franco Mostert uh, gambit that I thought moving him to flank instead of playing at lock. I mean, this is a Springbok lock, and he's moving him to flank. I thought it actually paid off brilliantly overall in the context of, uh, of the game, and, and a great driving mall throughout the, uh, the, the game for this uh, Lions side. How, how did you see them pairing? 
What I also found quite interesting was that the Bulls didn't quite test the lineout, but when they did, they were quite effective. But I think what um, Swayze was looking to do, wanted to make sure that he ensured that his team were competent, if not dominate the lineout, but also he put the premium on physicality because they need to make sure that they dominate the contact points before they actually start spraying the ball out. Because if you look at Marvin Orange's try, the Bulls at the time were already looking out wide, trying to defend the wider channels, yet there was a man coming in on a short channel on the inside, and they didn't pick him up, and that was a very good try. So the Lions actually caught the Bulls on the hop. And again, again, it's only, it's, a, it's only the something the Bulls will learn through experience where you learn to vary your game. And unfortunately for them, the Bulls are a very good team, a developmental team at the moment. I think once they actually start to vary their attack and their defense, and, and hopefully if John Mitchell is given time, I think the Bulls will start to look a very, a very, very competent, if not dangerous team, because they've got the forward. Yes, this scrum did wobble, but do I do feel as good as P.S. Kumar is, in the loose, Lizzo Kopoka, I think, is the, is the primary yeah. that was scrummaging, uh, scrummaging loose up for the Bulls. And until that time, they can actually find, they can actually find a balance in terms of who starts, uh, who starts as a best scrummager. And also depends against the teams they play against. You may get away playing Pierce Kuman against the New Zealand and Australian teams because they have a lower premium, a lower premium on scrumming. But when it comes to the, to the South African teams, the set piece is highly valued and at the time, if you, if you devalue a set piece against Storm or Shock, you will get punished. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I suppose old uh, John Mitchell, what did he say after the game? We, we got smoked in one area. Uh, I think referring to, to things overall. But he too had to actually make a change just before kickoff. Uh, Andre Pollard moving from fly-off to, to inside centre, so it couldn't have been easy for, for the Bulls overall. But from that, I mean, look, it's a, it's a makeshift uh, change overall, so you're not reading too much into, into how the back line went overall? Or you quite well, it's, the performance? it's an interesting one. Remember that there's one England team that uses a playmaker 10 and 12, George Ford, Owen Farrell. And so far, it's coming off very well for England. The problem with South African rugby at the moment is that we haven't seen young Serpentine play in front of us at 12. Mm. So again, on the other side, you could also mitigate and say that young Serpentine had a poor super rugby campaign with the pools, yet to shot for the Springboks. But now you've got two playmakers at 12, a left-footed playmaker and a right-footed playmaker, who can easily interchange an attack. But you know, at least you still got defensive solidity from 100 to 112. And you know that at 10 and 12, you've got players who are different in terms of all processes, but are attacking flowers who offer different varieties. So Rassi Rassas finds himself in a very delicate, good position at the same time where he's got two very good playmakers who one can actually start at 12. And I think now what John Mitchell has done is actually set the catch among the bitches because Pollard had a very good game at 12. Now, it's, it's a case of whether does he actually persist with him at 12 and whether is that something that is towards Rassi's lucky because at the end of the day, South Africa Super Rugby sides have had a bit of a habit of pulling I mean, different directions in terms of making sure that there's a one concrete team strategy that works towards the Springboks. But we may find now, if there's a very, a, a very clear line of communication in terms of what's expected from um, Super Rugby coaches, regardless of the fact that they also have their own um, manager they need, to, they, they need to succeed with in terms of actually doing well in the tournament. But if they can actually make sure that they work towards mm-hmm. one common goal, and if that common goal means establishing a 10-12 Yankees polar access, that may hinder the Bulls a bit, but in the long run, it will work perfectly for the Springboks. Yeah, fair enough. I think uh, he hit the nail on the head there in terms of it. Uh, I, I think he might equip himself re- really well inside centre and uh, and as a fly-off. So, so, so perhaps a utility back in the making. But uh, Kanisa Tuanko, thanks for your views, thoughts and opinions tonight. Okay, no, thank you very much. SAFM Sports Wrap.
So that's all we have time for on uh, SFM Sports Wrap tonight. I'll be back uh, next week, Monday. Yes, I'm about out on Thursday. Brad Brown in for the rest of the week between 6.30 and 7 o'clock. But Naledi Muleo, Criselda Dudumash are up after the news for the talk shop, so don't get anywhere. But from the team tonight, uh, producer Luya Lunkalipi, sound engineer Phineas Ndoba, and me, Dwayne DeLocker. Have a lovely evening. Cheers. It's 7 o'clock.